Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of Mid Liberty. I am your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I am thrilled to have you here today. Thank you for for joining us. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your audience and your listenership. Um, because something that I've been thinking about for a while has been how incredible um, of an experience so far uh, the journey that has been made since since September uh, when this show officially started um, and the progress we have made as a community together. And I think we really are um, making some strides through that. So once again, I'd like to thank you for that. And I I hope that you enjoy the work that we're doing here on the Liberty and at Outset. Um, if you haven't yet, I highly recommend that you go and uh, go back and listen to my interview I had last week with Jason Stapleton. He is a libertarian podcaster, um, and he does some great work. He's much better at this than I am, I, I must say. Um, I, and he does it like every day of the week as opposed to just one day a week. So uh, props to him for that. But also, he's he's just a great, rational, fantastic voice uh, and somebody who we're truly lucky to have on our side. And if you if you go back and we talked about some some really cool things, um, that's our second, our second interview in our summer interview series, and we have some really great ones lined up for you. Um, I'm not ready to release our next one just yet, uh, even though it should be relatively quickly, and as soon as I get it confirmed, then it's going to be a blast to have our next guest. Um, however, uh, this week I want to take a step back because next week is Independence Day, and I've really been wanting to do a lot more history episodes uh, and history-oriented episodes because... That, that really is where I come from. I'm, I'm a child of, and a student of, of history. Um, that's what sparked my interest in politics. That's what sparked my interest in liberty. Um, I can remember even going you know way back several years ago when I was just a kid in elementary school. And I had a lot of trouble with reading. I was very slow at reading. And I, I, I mean, you know, I, I kind of still am... Um, when you when you compare my reading speed to everyone else's, I'm I'm probably a little bit slower, but I enjoy it. I I try to soak things in, but I didn't quite know that back then. Um, and history, and that that's another discussion about why I absolutely hate uh, the current system of schooling from grade school all the way up through college. It's it's mind boggling, and it's it's made to stifle the individual. For the sake of the collective but that's for another discussion that we will certainly have in the near future however reading really uh, or excuse me history really uh, broke that mold for me and and it made me really appreciate and understand reading so it does kind of have a very special place in my heart as a kid i, I watched um i watched this show called liberty kids that i was so excited to go to go uh to get back home from school because everything they taught in school obviously wasn't that important. But what they were teaching on that show, to me, was very important because it was done so uh, culturally in a way that I could understand things, in a way that I could appreciate things through entertainment. Um, and today I want to 
touch a little bit on on liberty, but from a historical angle. Obviously, as I said, and as I'm sure you know, I'm, if you're anything like me, you're counting down the days to Independence Day. It's like my Christmas. Um, but if you're anything like me, you, you know when Independence Day is uh, in relation to right now. It's obviously next Tuesday. And um, I wanted to have a bit of a, of a history lesson today, if you will, and I really want to have more of these as we uh, go on into the future because there's a lot that we can learn. We've done a lot of philosophy. We've done a lot of current events and everything like that. But really, the real answers, I believe, are already right in front of us because they've already happened. The true answers to where we are going the real answers to where we should go and what to avoid on our journey there, they're already laid out for us throughout our own history. Um, and that's something that I want to, to touch on today because I think stories are incredibly important. That's that's what Outset is, is based around, is stories around, about individuals and people and cultures and communities. Um, and I don't want to go all the way back to 1776 because everyone is going to be talking about that for the next the next week or so and even going further into that. Um, I do want to fast forward from 1776, even though that's what most people around this time will be talking about. I do want to go forward about a century and a half um, into the era of World War One. Now, the reason why I want to do that is because I want to illustrate how fragile liberty can be if people aren't willing to stand up and defend it. Even something as simple as celebrating something that should be very non-controversial because it's fact. And I fear about going back to this, this path again in our, in our future. But how celebrating freedom and celebrating liberty and celebrating historical accurate, historically accurate fact, how that can be considered treasonous. In World War I, um, this is going to be another fun episode for another reason because I absolutely hate Woodrow Wilson. Um, a lot of libertarians tend to, tend to hate on FDR a lot, which don't get me wrong, there's a lot to hate there as well. However, um, I see Woodrow Wilson as the big, uh, the big boogeyman of, of American presidents and probably the closest thing we've ever had to a dictator in this country in form of the style of his rule. Uh, obviously, FDR with the term limits and several other things that make him close. But this, this specifically really touches a nerve. After World War One, after we got into World War One, um, which itself is a war that I think was completely unnecessary and, and wasted thousands of dollars and lives and, and set a precedent for U.S. foreign policy that uh, cost even more both. Um, after we got into World War One, it's very understand. It's very important to understand that war is the health of the state. The, the state of war, the, the constant, continual state of warfare 
is the health of the state. I've said that on this show many times, and I will say it again many times after this episode. War is constantly used to strip away your freedoms. War is constantly used to strip away your liberties. It's hard to accomplish that in a time of peace. But when you're in a time of war, things are different. If you go back to even even very early on in our history, government has always used war in times of uncertainty as a means to scare people to get them to, if not willingly give up their liberties, be a little bit more comfortable about it. That's something that always has to stand guard. Even, even in from the presidency of John Adams to Abraham Lincoln to, um, to Woodrow Wilson to FDR, and even today to Bush, Trump, or yeah, to Bush, Obama, and Trump. War is always used to strip away your liberties, and it's very, very dangerous trend to set. In the 1700s, our founding fathers, um, our founding fathers, it was a no-brainer for them. What is more important, as Patrick Henry said, is peace so sweet to purchase it at the at the cost of chains and bondage, and slavery to the crown? No. Of course not. Liberty is the absolute. Liberty is something that we always must defend because if we can't defend liberty, if we don't have any liberty, then we have nothing. If you cannot defend your own rights, if your rights are something that are so unimportant that you can just give it up at 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 the slightest chance of controversy or the slightest chance of, uh, of a disturbed peace, then what are those rights even for? Your rights are your rights regardless of the state of the times. And that was no different of an exception in World War I. Shortly after uh, World War I started, Woodrow Wilson pressed and Congress eventually passed and then Wilson uh, signed for the passage of both the Espionage and Sedition Acts. Now, these two acts, which I will uh, link to in, in the show notes, because I, I really want to finally document this episode, because I think it is very incredibly important um, that, that you have this as ammunition uh, to take with you. But Woodrow Wilson in World War I signed the Espionage and Sedition Acts, which both of those in 1717, or uh, excuse me, in 1917, 19. 18, essentially made it a criminal offense to use your right to freedom of speech and speak out against the wrongdoings of the government. Now we see some parallels here today. It's not quite nearly as much to the extent um, to to the damage that Wilson did to the First Amendment because he absolutely shredded the Constitution. During World War One, but what the Sedition Act did, we see some parallels to this today in in like college campuses and universities. But like I said, it's not nearly as bad as what this was. The Sedition Act made it criminal for you to say anything negative about the U.S. efforts in war, the Allied forces in World War One, or the military. 
meaning freedom of speech was absolutely dead during this time frame. The cause of death was Woodrow Wilson. In fact, and, and this is where the connection between this and uh, between this story I'm, I'm telling you right now and Independence Day in 1776, Robert Goldstein, Goldstein, excuse me, um, he was a, a filmmaker. He made the movie The Spirit of 76, telling in historical accuracy what occurred in 1776. Shocker, I know. Um, he essentially told the story of the American Revolution, what happened, and told it in accuracy, even to when um, you have British soldiers bayoneting women and children. What could possibly con be controversial about that? Think about that. What, 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 in what world is that controversial? In what world could that get you in trouble? Well, you see, we're friends with Great Britain at the time of the war. They're our allies. During the time of the war, that was considered sedition. To make our allies and uh, look bad and give people reason to doubt our war efforts in time of war, even though they had a lot more reasons than that to, to doubt the efforts. So because this filmmaker made a film to its historical accuracy, Wilson, under the Sedition Act, said this warrants arrest. This man should be prosecuted under the fullest extent of the law. Now, there were several, several um, individuals who were prosecuted under the uh, Espionage and Sedition Act. In fact, it was even up in the, in the, uh, in the thousands. In America, this is not a European country at the turn of the century. This isn't Russia. This isn't North Korea today. This isn't uh, uh, Iraq or Syria or any place like that under the regimes of Assad or uh, under the Iron Fist of ISIS. This isn't Hitler's Germany or anything like that. This is the United States of America where free speech is supposedly protected. This is why it is so important to protect that speech, even the speech that you strongly abhor. This is something that we haven't really talked about since it occurred, but with the Kathy, Kathy uh, Griffin head Trump thing, whatever she did, um, absolutely abhorrable. With the, uh, the Shakespeare in the park with the Trump, I don't agree with any of that. It's disgusting speech, yes. As it was when... Um, Individuals of right of center went out in front of the White House and, and started burning uh, Obama in effigy. Abhorrent speech. But this right here is why even the most abhorrent speech must be protected. So long as it is not a direct threat to any individual's life, then it is protected speech. Even something as holding a fake Trump head, that's protected speech. Because when you can't defend that... You're not going to be able to defend this. When a filmmaker is making a film about 1776, about the American Revolution, about the spark of independence, about the time we said we had enough with the crown, about the time that we said that liberty is final, we are not willing to give it up just for your supposed security. That's what the British was offering. And that also is what Woodrow Wilson was offering in World War I. The parallels here are uncanny. Unfortunately, 
the United States was on the flip side of the coin just a little bit over a century later. We had barely made it a century and a half, and already leaders in the United States of America were saying that those the founding fathers created, they're great for the times, but we have moved past that now. In fact, Woodrow Wilson even said as much to that exact, almost to the letter, that's what he said. He said, you know that Jefferson said, that government which is best governs least. That time has now passed us. You see, the current modern form of progressivism today, on both the left and the right, because the right is, is no less immune to it than the left, they're all willing to sacrifice liberty to some extent. Why? Because of the, ju uh, the, uh, the justification that Wilson made back in the 1900s, just 100 years ago, in the early 1900s. That justification was made so that he could strip away at things like the First Amendment because it was rather inconvenient. He had the postmaster general not mail your, your mail if it had, quote, seditious activities or treasonous activities or words, essentially. Newspapers were shut down at, in, during World War I because of words. Because the government feared the free marketplace of ideas. That was dangerous to them. Because if Americans didn't support the war efforts, then they might lose. Regardless of the fact that, you know, <laughs> we probably shouldn't have been in there in the first place. That Wilson was just itching for an excuse as soon as he, as soon as he uh, got reelected, Just itching for an excuse to go to war. Because war is the health of the state. And Woodrow Wilson was the embodiment of the state. Oftentimes, this quote that I'm about to bring up here... It's often uh, attributed to Ron Paul. Sometimes it's attributed to George Orwell. But regardless of, 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 uh, of who originally said it, truth is treason and an empire of lies. That quote is exactly what happened in World War I. It happened throughout actually several wars throughout our history, but especially in the context to this. The Founding Fathers warned against this very type of act against the citizenry. This is the kind of government that we declared war against in 1776. This is what the Declaration of Independence was about. The Declaration of Independence is, I think, one of the most valuable documents in our heritage. Yes, the Constitution, and, and I have much respect for the Constitution, and I think it is the, I can't think of a single other document that has done more good to the world than the United States Constitution. But the Declaration of Independence is the why behind the Constitution. That's something that we've, we've discussed here on this show before. I know for a fact, at least we've discussed it before the election. But understand why that is. The Declaration of Independence, while it's not law necessarily, it's understanding why the Constitution came to be. Because government always tries to gain power. They always try at every possible excuse. It didn't even last that long after the Constitution um, was finally signed and the Bill of Rights adapted, or excuse me, adopted. It didn't even last that long after that that government tried to strip away your liberties under the Adams administration. Then... We had several presidents after that, 
all the way up leading up to Wood, uh, Woodrow Wilson. And that set a precedent. That set the precedent that the means justify the ends. Sure, you like liberty. That's all fine and dandy. But we have to keep you safe, you see. That's dangerous. Whenever you hear that, you must run. Because essentially, those individuals who were imprisoned in World War I, they were essentially political prisoners. Even socialist candidate for president Eugene Debs was imprisoned for speaking out against the war efforts. He ran against uh, Woodrow Wilson in, in 1912. Then not even a decade later, that very, the, the very president that won that election threw his former opponent into jail. Now, was it because he was speaking out against Wilson specifically? Not, uh, not entirely, but he was speaking out against the war efforts. And he even joked, what are they going to do, lock me up? Well, yes, that's exactly what they did. You have to be cautious and you have to be careful about whenever you think that the government should take care of something. Because the more and more power you give to the federal government, especially the federal government, any level of government, but especially the federal government, the more and more power you give, they don't give that power back. Even after the war ended, Wilson tried very strongly to keep the Sedition Act intact. He did not like freedom of speech. He did not like dissenters. But dissent is the language of liberty. It is uniquely American, a nation that was conceived in the ideas of liberty. In order to move forward, we have to keep in mind that we must follow the ideas of Jefferson, not Wilson. A lot of us don't even think we're echoing Wilson, when in fact we are. It was he that popularized the idea of the living constitution. That it must adapt to the times, that, that uh, it must follow, follow the laws of Darwin, not Newton. Now, it is true that we can amend the Constitution. They didn't even think it was perfect whenever they enacted it. That's fine. But the meaning of the Constitution doesn't change. Rights are timeless. They are inherent. They cannot change. They are negative. They are inherent in you. Just because the times change, just uh, because the economy changes, and that's something that's rather ironic because a lot of people who profess living constitution theory reject the idea that capitalism can provide the most good for the world. Just so ironic. Because society does change, yes, it's true. But the rights that you have, the right to your body, to your property, to speech, to defend yourself, those are are inherent and those will never change it doesn't matter if it's if it's the year uh, 13 BC or 3000 AD your right to speech your right to worship however you choose your right to defend yourself those are inherent rights that will never change it doesn't matter what technology does it doesn't matter what uh, what what society does in fact, as technology advances, your rights are even more uh, absolute than what they were. They are more needed than what they were. Because as technology grows and government seizes opportunities, you're more at risk now than you ever have before in our history. The positive of that, though, is that liberty has just as great of an opportunity to seize the day to prevent governments from being able to clench its powers.
you see as as technology and, and capitalism and innovation grows and um, and and people connect with each other even more governments have a lot to work with now but they also have a lot harder time to try to stifle you to try to shut you up just look at North Korea North Korea is one of the only places in the world where it's completely isolated and it's also ironically enough the most totalitarian regime the biggest totalitarian regime on the face of the planet earth why is that because government can't keep people apart the minute people start seeping in from the outside world and this is why i fully support lifting the uh, cuba embargo the minute people start seeping in from the outside world and, and, and oppressed people begin to see the positives that liberty brings, that the market brings, that the protection of, of inalienable rights bring, that is a powerful and unstoppable force. That is what dictators ultimately fear. That's what they cannot stand. Whenever people are free to connect and become a community, this is why I say that community, libertarians have to take back the word community. It has nothing to do with democratic socialism. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with communism. It has everything to do with liberty. When we unite together for a common cause of being free, this is how the founders liberated because they all knew, they all united behind the common cause of liberty. These guys were were jacked up. They were messed up guys. Like, they were not perfect at all. I love people like Jefferson and, and Sam Adams. Not so much John. Not so much Hamilton. George Washington, Benjamin Franklin. I love these guys. But they were not perfect in the slightest. And we cannot deify them. Because it... Honestly, the more we deify them, and, and the right often uh, gets in trouble for this one a lot, but the more we deify them, the more likely it is that, that people are just going to look at them and just go like, look, look at all these flaws. How can you say that they're a god when they own slaves, for example, which that's something that uh, I'll be doing an episode on rather soon. Be upfront and honest about their humanity, because... They had a humanity. Madison was a sickly old man. Not old, he was pretty young actually. But he was a very sickly, scrawny man. He could barely make it to the Constitutional Convention. And, and that whole process of making the Constitution, it, it took a toll on him. It severely damaged his health. Benjamin Franklin was, <laughs> I mean, he was pretty much a womanizer. They had flaws, they had illnesses, they weren't perfect. Madison was against the, the um, introduction of the Bill of Rights before he was for it. Even he took some convincing. But they all had a common goal. They all knew that they were not absolute. They all knew that they were not gods. That's why they made the system that they did. To protect him, to protect us against people like them. All of us. We all have the common flaw, the common sickness, the common ailment of humanity. But our greatest disease is, ironically enough, our greatest strength. This is why it is so important to understand the difference between man and men. 
mankind, we can do some pretty dark stuff. We have to be very upfront about that. We can do some pretty dark stuff. This is what we have to understand as as liberty lovers. Is that yeah, some people are pretty bad. It's not just it's not just like all of a sudden a government's formed and all of a sudden they turn evil. That's not it. It's the collective. It's when men begin shrugging off their their responsibilities, putting their burdens on other people when they aren't held responsible for their own actions. That end of humanity is ugly and it's caused a lot of harm and misery. When you isolate that, when you say that men should be individuals, both in the freedom aspect and the responsibility aspect, they should be held accountable for their responsibility, but have unlimited freedom so that they can achieve unimaginable good. When you leave them with that, they will. That's something the Founding Fathers understood. The Progressive Era flipped it. Woodrow Wilson flipped that on its head. Teddy Roosevelt, a man lots of conservatives love, those guys flipped that idea on its head and said, man, mankind is the ultimate good, the greater good. Men, oh, they don't know what they're doing. They make mistakes all the time. Yes, yes we do. Yes, we do, which is exactly why it should be isolated to the individual so they can learn, so they can appreciate a hard day's labor and understand the value that comes with freedom. Only whenever we follow the ideas that Jefferson and Madison and and Locke and Washington and Adam Smith um, and Benjamin Franklin and these great titans of liberty only when we follow their lead, understand that they were flawed men just as much as you and I are, but follow their lead and reject the notion that government can do anything better than you or I can. Only then can we unlock the true potential of humanity, the true good that is within humanity. Whenever we start following the ideas of Wilson and Roosevelt, both Roosevelts, Johnson, Bush, Obama, and Trump, that is when we began to downfall as a society. My challenge for you today on this um, Independence Day episode, my challenge for you is to go back and look over the ideas of Jefferson, of Madison, and find that not all of them agreed. Find that the Constitution wasn't just this, it's, it wasn't like the Ten Commandments where God just gave it to them and ta-da, it's perfect. It came after much, much long and heated debates. But somehow we, we came out with the most libertarian document, quite honestly, in the history of the world. And look at what good has come from it. Only whenever we, we deviate from those principles, we deviate from those ideas, that is when humanity begins to fail. That is when people are harmed. That is when the individual is stomped out for the betterment of the collective. I still believe that America has it in, in them to move forward with the ideas of liberty. I still believe that our best days have yet to come. While, yes, our history of locking people up for trying to show our history and historical accuracy, that's, that's a pretty bad part of our history, and there's a lot more where that came from. Just in the Wilson administration, there's a lot more where that came from. But we have to understand the evil in our own history. 
so that we can truly unlock the good in our future. Ladies and gentlemen, this week, uh, that's that's all for this week's episode. I hope you have a, a fantastic 4th of July. It's my favorite holiday. As I said, I'm probably going to like shoot my AR-15, go watch some, some fireworks, and I don't know, like have a cigar or something. I don't know. Um, but I hope you enjoy your 4th of July. We'll come back next week. Our summer interview series is just kicking off. I'm very excited. Please catch up if you haven't with uh, our first two summer interview series interviews with uh, Cliff Maloney Jr. of Young Americans for Liberty and Jason Stapleton of the Jason Stapleton Program. Um, Please go to uh, iTunes. This is something I should be saying every week, but I just like, I keep forgetting. Please go to iTunes and um, write a review and give us, give us a a rating, if you will. I really want to hear from you. I I really want to connect with you and make sure that I am doing a good job. Um, Let us know what kind of people you want to hear on the show, what kind of issues and topics you want to go after. Um, I'll be doing some more history episodes because I really like these kind of episodes and the the format um, of them because I think that there's a lot that we can learn from our past and we haven't done done enough of that yet. Um, And as always, please... Go to Twitter and follow me at Caleb Franz on Twitter. Follow the show at Meliberty um, on Twitter. And after you rate us and review us on iTunes, just be sure to subscribe us so you'll never miss an episode. And until next week, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you. <laughs>